Welcome to TLDR Auspol, the podcast for the engaged-ish people of the world. We acknowledge the traditional custodians of the lands on which we record this podcast, both the Awabakal and the Wurundjeri people. We pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging and acknowledge that sovereignty has never been ceded. This land and the land you're listening on always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Welcome everyone to TLDR Ozpol. Hello, Rhiannon. Hello, Annabelle. Three times the charm I'm tonight. Hey, <laughs> hoping this works. Same. Because um, I'm ready playing. to pack up shop yeah. and get drunk. <laughs> this might be the last episode of TLDR Ozpol. Um, our long-time <laughs> listeners will know that we're a little bit useless when it comes to technology and all that, and we've we've. Up until the last few weeks, we've actually had heaps of help recording, but the last few weeks we were like, no, nah, we're independent women. We've got to work this out for ourselves. Mm. Show boyfriends kind of contributed, helped us get the infrastructure set up, left mm. us to our own devices. And tonight all of the walls have almost come crashing down three times we've tried to record. Um, but but we're believing that three times is the charm tonight because I am I'm pumped for this episode, Annabelle. Me too. I am still laughing at we, we this is kind of the lost episode that we're yes. going to do a redo yep. which you should never attempt to redo something and recreate <laughs> Maybe this something. is the sign. <laughs> but I'm just it's a good start because I opened the show notes from the lost episode. Yes. And episode 5 and it's called Something's COVID and it's yes. <laughs> We're still funny. So we knew that at the time we could never cover all things COVID in 30 minutes, but we knew we could cover some things COVID. Some things COVID. Some things um, COVID. And the thought process behind this episode is I've just set the timer. It's on me. It's my responsibility. Right. Yep. I've set the timer for 30 minutes. It's rolling and I'm awesome. just going to rudely interject when we're nearly done. <laughs> yeah, I might even good. do some rude updates. I'll make I sure they're this. Yeah, we normally, so we, the last couple of episodes, we have been trialing a little bit of a new episode structure, you know, like making sure that we really leave you guys with like, you know, five or six actual points to put in your pocket about policies, um, policy like pocket you points. You said five, five or six as though one of them is just bogus. One of them might be crap. <laughs> no, was, well, actually, yeah, because last week one of mine was just like super short. It was like two sentences long on mental health and the budget. It was like, good job, everyone. Stock to plan. Um, so I guess you could say that's a bogus point. Um, I, but sometimes we agree on them. And so sometimes one of my points is also kind of one of your points, you know, so that right, makes it right, five very or six. Um, but this week in, in the spirit of the lost episode that, you know, mm. we will never reach the quality of again, we will never, we will never hit that height again, but tonight we're going to try. Um, mm. we just decided to whack the timer on and spend 30 minutes chatting about some things COVID. Um, and we decided to take a, a break from our, our little budget mini series that we'd been doing because it just so happened that, uh, you know, last week, most of the country went back into lockdown or had some kind mm-hmm. of restrictions posed, mm-hmm. except for the golden children down in Victoria. Look, it does it feel like a parallel universe? Yes. <laughs> do I still feel like I said last week? Do I do I feel 
victorious or jubilant. No, not at all. It's lockdown sucks and I feel terrible for all you guys. And I was also going to come up to Sydney and I had to cancel my trip up. So I know. We were going to get to record another episode or two in person and that's always more fun. I mean, this is fun. I love this, but always. nothing like hanging out with you in person. Um, so I do want to just quickly apologise for Obi-Wan Kenobi saying hello there in the background. That's my message tone and I forgot to put my phone on silent. <laughs> That's all right. I think it, it was two weeks again. ago. I got an email or something in the middle of one episode. So we are a high quality professional um, professional podcast <laughs> here. Um, but yes, look, we've probably got what, not 27 minutes now to speak some things COVID. Uh, and we thought it was a good timing to kind of revisit some of the notes we made because um, I know that we've had a lot of great conversations, Annabelle, about like just how much COVID and this like extreme crisis, hopefully a once in a lifetime crisis, has taught yeah. us about our system yeah. and the way that policy is made and the way that the system works. And and we thought, let's have a chat. Let's have a chat about that yeah. live on air and, and release that out into the world world um and no better time to revisit that for you oh talk to me these are new stats not from like three months ago oh good (laughs) so how long ago the last episode was i don't know wow (laughs) just picked (laughs) picked a time um so since the beginning of the pandemic there've been oh my gosh i've given myself these numbers again to do yeah Since the beginning of the pandemic, there have been 30,685 confirmed cases in Australia and so sadly 910 people have Mm. died. Um, Currently there are four cases in Australia requiring ICU hospitalisation and no cases on ventilators. Um, there are there have been more than 21 million tests undertaken in Australia. Wow. And globally, there have been over 182 million cases and sadly over 3.5, 3.9, sorry, million deaths um, with 429,948 new cases and 8,360 deaths reported in the last 24 hours. And this um, information is probably from about three days ago. Mm-hmm. Um, the COVID-19 pandemic continues to surge in many countries around the world but in Australia we've remained largely um, sort of we haven't really experienced that kind of level of cases Mm. and deaths yeah um, due to some of the things like lockdown that we'll we'll talk about now yeah I mean like thinking about kind of the height of our COVID you know experience I'm, I'm thinking about that day that you guys had down in victoria that was we got close to 800 cases you know in a day yeah um yeah. but to think about that as as the height of our experience you know as intense mm. as it got and then listening to some of those stats you know and, and i remember like back in those first couple of weeks when we went into national lockdown and hearing the stats coming out of Italy. I remember Italy was like mm. the first place yes. to really have have it hit them hard. Um, yeah. You know, it's really easy to to grab some perspective, and and I'm and I don't want to say that um, you know dismissing anyone's experience that's had it really close to home, right? Because for someone yeah. who's lost a loved one um, to this thing, or someone who's had you know, there's been a lot of life plans thrown out the window because of this thing. And so I'm (laughs) really lucky, you know, in in so many ways. But um, when we look at those numbers in light of the experiences of some other countries, gosh, we're lucky, you know, and and we're lucky that we're an island and, um, and we're lucky that in a lot of ways the government's done a lot of what they've done 
um, you know, because they have protected us from some of that really intense um, experience and they've protected us from a big loss of life. Now, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to say too much of a ringing endorsement because there's always room for improvement. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I I think, I think looking at that stats is those stats is an important way to frame, you know, frame this episode and to frame our current experience. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Look, I think one of probably the main things that the the federal government did was shut the borders, yeah, shut the international borders. That was like straight up, you know. That's what's like you say. We're lucky we're an island, yeah, and, and we've been able to close our borders and we've been able to largely kind of sequester ourselves from the rest of the world, which is, you know part of me wonders how we're going to ever rejoin yeah. but you know when you think about the actual um you know actual COVID itself we're so lucky yeah yeah and it You're is right. an interesting thought about like rejoining the rest of the world you know because someone said it early on it was probably ScoMo who was like you know like vaccination is the ticket like vaccination is the only mm. way to like win this thing mm. but it's not a race and it's not a competition um even I can't say that without giggling a little bit. Um, but, you know, like it is the only way that we're going to rejoin. But it is a bit scary to think about that moment that we open the borders again. And, you know, I was even thinking the other day, you know, I saw, you know, my bloody Facebook memories pop up with, you know, the holiday that you were on this time three years ago. And, and I saw oh, yeah, you were in America. <laughs> yeah, I saw you do I that. I was in LA this time two years ago, 4th of yeah. July. And I like, I thought to myself, like, oh, I wonder how long, it, not not only until our borders reopen, but I wonder how long until I have the confidence to book that international flight again with like total peace of mind that I'm not putting yeah. myself or anyone that I love at risk by booking that plane ticket. You know, it's such an interesting, it's such, such an interesting environment that we mm-hmm. find ourselves in. Um I don't think we can get away with, you know, talking about what the government has or hasn't done without talking a little bit about lockdowns and about kind mm. of the state response. But, mm. um, you know, in in talking about the politics of of COVID, which I think is a disgusting phrase, right? Like, it's not a political issue. It's it's a human it's a human issue. Like, it's yeah, health and lives, but it it, it can't escape politics. It's interesting. Um, this we sort of took out a whole section of this um, that we were going to talk about in the pre that we talked about in the previous ep- episode in terms of the economy versus health. And I think probably what, what we would talk about or what we could talk about in place of that is politics, because back then everyone was sort of facing forward and just doing the best they could. Mm. Um, and I think now, I think I said to you before I I watched Q and A last <laughs> week, out. and it was all about vaccinations. And I was like, "Well, I'm doing podcast prep," <laughs> um, <laughs> and um, you know, like I, but you know, I mean, it's probably not the best sort of place to start. But you know, I I just I watch now what's going on. You know, politics has now seeped back into this even. Yeah. You know, and when you hear a lot of the politicians talk they start by talking about what another premier or an or yeah. you know what scomo is not doing before they talk about what they are doing and that is a bit sad but probably just the way it is right and i think I, part of me part of that my hunch on this is that 
we see more of that because it's never been clearer to the Australian public what role the state premiers play and and what role the yes. like competition plays in yes. in politics. You know, like before COVID, like we've ne- we've not had. And I feel like I might have said this on the podcast like last week or something, but we've not had an a shared experience where we've seen so clearly the way that like the federal government interacts with the state government interacts with the local government, you know, like this really clear cut um, articulation of what everyone can do without breaking the rules per se. Yeah. And so I feel like before to have had like Anastasia come out and be like, um, well, as Queenslanders, we will not have anyone under the age of 50 be getting, you know, be dying of the AstraZeneca vaccine. Like before this week or before this experience, I would have been like, whatever, like (laughs) you all go do your own thing. But because of the way over the last 12 months, we've had this exposure to like the system in its purest form, you know, and the Mm. the immense power that that those playoffs can have between Mm. states. Um, It means something entirely different. And I think think it's really interesting to have witnessed this, but also to be keeping that in mind when we see other policy issues arise now and remembering, well, there is actually this level of like defensiveness that the premiers all have. Mm. It's defensiveness over their people you know like that's their jurisdiction and these are their Australians to care for um but it's also the only patch that they have control over you know as they can't have control at a federal level so what what they do every time they throw in a knee-jerk border closure or every time they lock down their state is they're exercising the control they have to respond to the risk that they're seeing and so yeah you know I don't think we've really had anything else that shows us that like that power struggle between the premiers but also that like really pure like I'm defending my patch here it's so it's so interesting I mean for the for starters the fact that we even know who the Queensland premier is for example where neither you or I live in Queensland is is sort of amazing to think of the political literacy that we have yes as, as as a nation now you know we all um you know well, I'm not at the moment because we're not in lockdown, but, you know, I remember what it's like to sit and watch a presser every day and watch Dan Andrews talk about, you know, the policy and what's going on and what's happening today. And um, I think you're so right about, you know, the premiers get a cop a lot of flack or they are at the moment about border closures, but I get it, you know, like if, if you can't control what's going on anywhere else and you can only, as you say, control your patch, what else, what else have you got to do? Yeah. You know, what, what else are you going to do? I, I get it. I mean, the one um, thing I did do a little bit of Googling post Q, my Q&A, um, <laughs> my Q&A experience, um, and, you know, the National Cabinet did agree that lockdowns now from going forward are to be used only as a last resort. But I don't actually know what that even means. I mean, yeah. any this would be considered a last resort to some, you'd say. Um, so actually, you know, lockdowns and border closures, you know, I mean, they're annoying and and we all hate them, but I get why they're happening. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And I also think that it's like what we saw really early on in the pandemic was lockdowns work because, and I wrote a uni essay on this, actually, um, we saw lockdowns work because there was high levels of fear in, in, uh, in our populace and when there's high levels of fear there's high levels of compliance there's actually a threshold when you get to a point where there's more fear 
like there's so much fear that it's uncontrollable. People stop doing what they're told. But we obviously mm. hit the right like tipping point of people mm. being afraid enough that they were doing what they were told. And so we saw lockdowns work. And so I think there's also this so element popular. of like so popular. Like um, every election that happened, if if the person if the premier was doing lockdowns, they got back in. They were so popular. popular. Exactly. Mm. So mm-hmm. You know, we we saw them work, and so then it's like, right, well, then when this thing comes back, the only precedence they have to fall back on is the thing that worked. And granted, yeah. we haven't had a whole lot of time to try many other things other than lockdowns, <laughs> but like we default back to like, oh, okay, at the time that worked, and so I'm going to try that again. Um, mm. But I think interestingly, what we might be seeing in Sydney, and I'm not I'm not willing to necessarily make full comment on this, but I think we might be seeing some complacency around, well. Do I really need to, does every single individual really need to to play exactly by the rules for us to, mm. for this thing to work? Or is it like 80% of us need to, to abide by the lockdown and it'll still work, you know, like <laughs> I think it's really interesting to take That's a look so at like. so funny as a Victorian hearing that, like it's just never, it's just not been, look, actually, Actually, I do think that the different, one of the big differences is, and obviously Victoria has had a lockdown since JobKeeper. One of the things that's really interesting for me is that level of complacency hasn't seemed to be there in Victoria. It's been the the lockdown 4.0 for us was much harder because JobKeeper, as I say, like was pulled. Um, so, you know, we we did have a high compliance at the beginning because, you know, we had the sick leave payouts. Other countries didn't have that, so we didn't see that compliance. So I wonder if that is partially because Sydney hasn't been in and out of lockdown like we have in Victoria yeah. or I wonder if it's timing because JobKeeper isn't there and people genuinely are like, well, need to be I'm getting the fine because my business is going to close. Yeah, I, don't know. I think the interesting thing about this Sydney lockdown is that um, it's been far less prescriptive than our national lockdown that was then implemented at a state level this right. time last year. So, like, um, we were reflecting on the other day and, you know, we were watching Gladys on the TV. We were talking about how, um, <laughs> like, this time last year or whenever it was we were in national lockdown, it was a little bit earlier than this time last year, April, um, you know, Gladys came out um Actually, it was at a federal level. ScoMo came out saying this means that gyms will be closed, beauticians will be closed. Uh, the in, the infamous mm. Barre incident, you know, like and what other time <laughs> has the prime minister ever gotten on and tried to talk about bar classes? Like, um, <laughs> I forgot about that. That was so good. It's a, such an iconic moment in Australian <laughs> politics, um, mostly for and millennial the women. <laughs> and the Get out the puzzles. Yeah, um, but there hasn't been as much of that this time round, and I do wonder mm. whether um, whether that's kind. Gladys and her team um, trying to manage the fear levels, you know, and make sure that we don't escalate to the level of there being mass hysteria because that's also not a good thing um, for mm. people. Whether it's like we've been here, we've done this before, so you know what to do um, mm. and there's like that level of trust and expectation um, or, or whether it kind of is like clever politics in a way of like people interpret the rules so the businesses that you know can afford to lock down will you know will Mm. trust them to do their civil duty and those that can't will 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 deal with the implication of that or but it's just it's been super less prescriptive it's like okay stay at home orders 
that's all. That's really that's interesting. I didn't out. know that. I, I mean, look, full disclosure, I've, I've sort of, it's funny us doing this episode now because I'm like so, this is why I watch Q&A, like I so just haven't been a, across what's going on because I just wanted a break from it and we, you know, in Victoria could get one. Um, but do you think as well, like it's a little bit to, like, Gladys was sort of heralded as the non-lockdown queen and Sydney was getting through this, even though they had cases popping up without lockdown. Do you think that she would have gone into lockdown? Because I I think, honestly, Dan Andrews, on the opposite of that, you know, we were kind of quite scarred from that, you know, when we got up to 700 and something cases. I remember the day too. And it was just like, what is like, what happens now, you know? And I think one of the reasons why we went into such harsh and quick lockdowns was because as a result of that experience, whereas New South Wales and Gladys had a different experience where it was kind of like, oh, our contact tracing and everything like that, we can trust it. Yeah. Um, And that was kind of what she was known for. Like, Do you think that that was sort of partially... Part of I don't it, know. I, it'd be super not. interesting. I'd love to see some like, oh, not opinion polls. I actually want to know what portion of New South Wales trust Gladys as opposed to opinion polls, right? Because mm. I think they're quite different things. Um, because in my mind, I'm like, when Gladys comes out and she like fiercely says stuff like, <laughs> I don't care what people think of me and I don't care what people think of the government because I'm responding to the health advice and I'm doing what I'm told is best for our people. I 100% believe it. Yeah. I'm like, yep, queen, awesome. You I remember I them. remember getting um, my little family, my little three-year-old and, and show boyfriend BJ and I got um, nearly stuck in Sydney over Christmas when that lockdown happened. Oh, and I yeah. remember we were up in Hunter Valley and she was down south of Sydney and everything. And we had to like try and get her and drive home and it was a bit stressful at the time. But I remember Gladys was doing a presser and she made me feel calm. Like I'm not ashamed to admit yeah. it. I, I liked her tone. She, I felt like she was down in the trenches with us, not speaking down to us. Yeah. And I did really appreciate that. So I'm kind of with you on that. That's my only experience of Gladys. So Yeah. And, and she's been that the whole time, you know, and even like I thought she was super clever. Her and her team were super clever um, at the beginning of, at the beginning of the week where she called the lockdown. Um mm. Um, she like that on that Monday, it was like, I think there was still only like 11 cases or something. Right. And, um, Mm. and she didn't actually give the presser. They had a pre-recorded message from someone from New South Wales health. Like it was like a nobody, you know, I'm so sorry for the person who did that. You're not a nobody. (laughs) You're a big somebody. And we really needed you on that Monday. But they don't even Um, listen to this. No, they don't. (laughs) We have like 40 listeners <laughs> and one of them is not that lady from New South Wales Health. Um, but uh, they had this pre-recorded message being like, today New South Wales has recorded, you know, 11 cases of COVID-19 mm. in the community. And I was like, wow, that's so clever because the minute you see Gladys come on, you're like, oh, no, the news is bad. Like <laughs> they've rolled out the big guns to keep us calm. Oh, dear. Mm. But, you know, like I was like, wow, what a clever move to try and, like alleviate some of the stress around this situation to not have her um but you know like when when she does come on she says the same thing 
you know, at the beginning of every presser, she thanks the amount of people that come that came out for testing. She talks about how many cases were caught within the community, how many were in isolation. Like, it's just no fuss, Gladys, you know, and, mm. and I think the consistency is something that really builds that trust with constituents mm. to say, like, we know what to expect of Gladys um, every day that she's she's doing that press conference. And, you know, I, I think there would be, I know we obviously know that there is a lot of people that don't love Gladys, you know, that don't want a liberal, you know, state premier. But um, I'd love to see, I'd love to see the polls of like how much of New South Wales trusts Gladys at this point in time, because I know that there's a lot of kind of, a lot of people from across Australia who are like, yeah, we see what she's done and we respect that. So to go back to answering your original question, I don't think it was necessarily like, we were avoiding lockdown because that was her reputation. I genuinely mm. believe that she did what the health experts were telling her. And mm. I wonder how much of that sentiment is shared across New South Wales. Interesting. And now uh, as the timekeeper, yeah, I where have are we to at? let you know we've got just over five minutes to go, so we need to talk about vaccines. I'm sorry, but we do. We do. We really do. <laughs> it's so tough. It's so tough. <laughs> Look, it's, I mean, for me, it's sort of highlighted for me that federal government isn't very good at service delivery. And I'm not saying that as the liberals or anything like that. <laughs> I just think the federal government at a federal level, it's just far away from the people and they're possibly not the best place to provide services yeah. because we built this system in 1901 <laughs> And the way people use government services now is very different to back then. And so, yeah. you know, I just, I think if this has shown us anything, it's that trust in trusting such a service delivery at a federal government level, even though, like we said before, we have political literacy in this country at the moment. We all know that quarantine is a federal government responsibility in the constitution. We all know that vaccinations is a federal government responsibility in the yeah. constitution. Isn't that amazing that we know our constitution yeah. a little better? There you go. There's a silver lining. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, it's, it's interesting to watch this roll out. And, you know, I reckon that it's probably because of the level of government rather than yeah. anything else and yeah. rather than the party that's in charge or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And I mean, I'm not we saying talking... it's great. It's terrible. <laughs> no, no. But I, I mean, it's so, it's such a tough one too, right? Cause I'm like, you know, there was 60 minutes was on last night and we were sitting there watching this like big expose on like how we're so rubbish at vaccine. I like, love your, I love our, the way we've prepared for this. <laughs> I know you've watched Q and A I watched 60 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> It's okay as long as neither of us watched a <laughs> current the lead to there. prepare. <laughs> That's right. No one did. No one Anyone did. can start a podcast. Um, Sorry, Tracy, but no. No. <laughs> um, uh, but 60 Minutes had, you know, these like all of the like cutting graphics and rah, rah. But they were, they, this list came up of like where Australia sits uh, in terms of vaccine rollout. And we were like at the very bottom of this particular list, right? Like, you know, they just happened to pick a list <laughs> that was like as long as where Australia sat. But mm -hmm. it was really interesting because they were like pulling out like Vietnam has better vaccination rates. And, and I was like, how, but what was, what, 
what was the impact in other areas to some of those countries? You know, like America has a better vaccination rollout than we do, but how many lives did they lose and how scary was their approach at some times, you know, of this particular thing and how scary was their leadership throughout that time? You know, and I, and this is not to say that I endorse our vaccine rollout. I think I think we made a mistake. I think the federal government made a mistake in putting all its eggs yeah. in one basket. And and I think it has meant that our rollout is slower. But, like, do I think we've done a lot better in some other areas that have saved lives? Yeah. You know, and I'm like, okay, mm. I can deal with the vaccine rollout being a little bit slower if it meant we didn't rush some other things. And for and the sake of being. Anyone... Sorry. Um, being in the position that we are you know so it's like Mm. yeah it's I don't want to endorse it and say I don't want to defend it because I think there has been issues with it but I also want to maintain the perspective of like on a whole we're really lucky Mm. and how could anyone have foreseen that AstraZeneca would have fallen over that University of Queensland would have fallen over like you know you as you say you kind of yes maybe we could have put our eggs in five or six baskets rather than one or two but yep. you know it's it's kind of one of those things it's hard to um hard to kind of foresee and we've never done anything like this before you know I do think that one of with vaccinations one of the things that's really kind of jumped out at me is there's been no calm comms campaign <laughs> with just very non-biased information on what to do you know when we talk about things being politicized this has been absolutely and you know you you hear bouncing back and forwards between like federal and state and you know you hear like ScoMo coming out and saying AstraZeneca is like available to everyone and then Queensland like Palaszczuk coming out and being like but you know don't do that and and you know you sort of just go I don't know what to do and I'm a little bit scared. And when you start to go like knuckle down, like the thing that upsets me and getting back on my feminist box and I won't swear like I did the other week, <laughs> but you know, it's you taking the pill, you have a higher risk of having a blood clot than, you know, with the AstraZeneca vaccine, yet no one's jumping up and down about that. Yeah. And all women are expected to take comp- contraception. So yeah. it's just about facts, isn't it? And it's, they're yeah. not clear. And I think it also shows how much power the media has in like what it like what kind of response it garners in citizens. You know, like mm. if the media decided to get angry about the pill and what it does in terms of blood clot- blood clotting to women, there'd be a lot more people angry about it. You know, but like they haven't really mm. chose just chosen to people new throw their weight behind it just yet. You know, and I think it's I think yeah. I, I have a whole lot to say on media ownership and stuff. It's like a whole other podcast, but um, I think it does. Yeah, it does. There's a lot of responsibility on our media and the way that they report on these things in um, informing yeah. the public without inflaming the public. Yeah. Brie, I did bad. We're 30 minutes and 33 seconds. Oh no, that's our time for this week. <laughs> There's so much more we could have talked I got, about. I got distracted and I did bad. Sorry. No, no, you did good. We're like still just on 30 minutes. If we wrap up in the next one, we're fine. And we totally owe our <laughs> listeners that because the last few weeks we've been so over. So There's so much to talk so about. Um, look, it's been a pleasure, Annabelle. I Likewise. I speak some things COVID with you again soon. Same. Um, Hopefully we don't lose this episode. Oh, I know. Fingers crossed. Um, 
And don't forget, as always, if you're listening to us, wherever you're listening to us, drop us a review and give us a rating. Yes, Find please. us on the gram, TLDR underscore Ozpol. Um, yeah, we are coming back to you to wrap up the budget mini series uh, in a fortnight. In a fortnight though. Yeah, we're going back Not to nice fortnightly week. recording. We've, we've done the <laughs> weekly thing. We're both pooped. So we'll see you in a fortnight's time. Annabelle, have a wonderful fortnight. Can't wait to you see too. you. You too. You too. Moi. Goodbye. Bye. <laughs>